0: It is the Anum three six five. All gems, no misses. Once again, thank you, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for joining me on this journey. I really do appreciate it. Um, I love it when you guys give me feedback. I think the feedback is so so critical. I also think the feedback um, beyond. Oh wow, what a great episode! important you know I'd like to know what you guys think I can improve obviously I try to be very vulnerable on this platform so you know it's it's beyond just creating content it is this is a platform for authentic conversations honest conversations and I, and I feel like whoever comes onto this platform should feel free and honest enough to say whatever on their mind I think um what's interesting about about just maybe the social media age that we live in for example the, the certain thoughts or opinions that i wouldn't just tweet right which i feel like would be better if i put them in a podcast format because that allows me the format to talk properly explain where i'm coming from and even better if i have a guest I have the ability to bounce the idea of another person, right? So that's what this is. This is a platform for honest conversations, for people to be wrong also. Um, I think what I do sometimes, I try to be a little bit of a contrarian and a devil's advocate, which is fun, right? Um, But which is not always necessary. I think in the the podcast with Canvas, I said, Look, patriarchy doesn't actually need a devil's advocate. You know, there's certain things that I don't think you really need to play devil's advocate to get a a point across and to challenge conventional thinking and understanding and that doesn't mean that you don't challenge convention, conventional thinking and understanding it just means the manner in which you challenge them is not coming from a devil's advocate position or a contrarian position so i think i try to do that a lot with, with this podcast unfortunately everyone that's on this podcast so far well not everyone yeah everyone that's on this podcast has been a friend of mine so obviously our views are very similar um we differ here and there but yeah i'm working on that i'm working i wanna i wanna have my my views challenged a little bit more i think i think having yourself challenged in a in a safe open space is is so 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 important and what i also like about this podcast and this platform is that i believe that if i say something controversial which which I think is controversial because the majority of people don't follow that particular um, train of thought. Um, my understanding is that you guys will call me in as opposed to calling me out, and yeah, I think I think that's that's very good for it, it creates a safe space. But on top of that, I think it's so important to talk reckless. You know, I wanna talk reckless, allow the honest, undigested um, opinions and views come out because I think sometimes even if the opinion of you is not properly thought out, I think that gives us a very accurate um, representation of where the human is, you know. So if for example, and obviously this is a this is a very extreme example, because I know it's politically incorrect and unpopular, for example, if someone is sexually assaulted and I say, well, what were they wearing? <laughs> you know, if that's my first thought, I think it's important for me to get that out because I think that gives an accurate representation of where I really am in terms of my political um, wokeness and all of that, as opposed to me correcting myself later on and giving me more politically uh, correct ones, and that's not to say that I that I blame people for what they're wearing if they're sexually assaulted. I'm just trying to to give an example off the top of my head as to as to why I think it's important that we allow the the the, the, the rawness of our of our thoughts and our emotions to to, to be voiced. So on on this episode, um, oh, firstly still quarantine radio um if you're seeing the video of this episode which i do post like long long form like semi-long um clips of the of the podcast onto um the annum's ig tv we're still building that platform so you can go check it out we've got like 50 followers i'd really appreciate if you guys can help me get to 100 so it's called the annum on Instagram and also the animal on Twitter, so we're we're building those platforms. Um, so yeah, I'm still in quarantine, as you can see. Um, today, today I actually went for my um, test, the my COVID 19 test. Um, so we will we will see in the next 48 to 72 hours whether or not I'm positive. If I'm being completely honest, I am actually feeling very (laughs) flu-y. So, (laughs) it's very possible that I have COVID, but then it's also very possible that it's just fucking winter. So, it's normal for people to be flu-y in winter. And I think maybe that's something we don't talk about too much because especially with the screening forms that you have to do when you go into certain banks and certain Um, establishments, they ask you to put your name, surname, ID number, contact details and then they have a list of questions where you have to answer yes or no. It's normally the first one is, um, have you been in contact with anyone who has tested positive for COVID-19 and you have to say yes or no, then the next question normally is, um, have you traveled out of the country in the last two months, yes or no. And then where it starts becoming a little bit tricky, is that it says, do you have any flu-like symptoms? And look, I'm someone that kind of often has a running nose. You know, it's not like not a big deal or like a scratchy throat, um, itchy throat. So I'm like, I still want to go into the bank because I don't think I have COVID-19. So I'll just just put no. And it's funny that a lot of people put no. I think only once, and I've seen so many of these forms, because mind you, I have since level four i've had an essential services permit so i've beat up and about so i've seen a lot of these forms only one of these forms i saw someone write under flu-like symptoms um itchy throat and yeah the thing is it's it's scary because the symptoms are so common and you don't you don't want to assume the worst and obviously if i'm going to this particular establishment there's a purpose for it i'm not doing just for fun I want to actually use your services. So I'm definitely gonna say no, I'm not feeling flu. I haven't had any flu like symptoms and, and and the likes. But yeah, so I've got my test and then and then we'll, we'll see we'll see how that goes. Um what I really, really <laughs> So my mind is a funny place, dark place sometimes, but also it's just a funny place where I just I just joke around and and it's difficult now that I don't have people to joke around with as much, right? So I was just thinking in the car after I I had my COVID nineteen test. I was just thinking about the importance of speaking reckless, you know, just kind of like letting it out, you know, and I know. For some of the things that I'm going to say in this podcast, I know Nina's going to be upset with me, uh, but I think that's kind of the point of talking reckless, is that allowing yourself to say things that will sometimes annoy people, upset people. But I, I think as long as what you're saying is not coming from a place of bigotry, it's okay. You know, if I say... Um... <laughs> Okay, I don't know. I don't know. Let me not give examples because all the examples I think of are bigoted, which, which, which may um, put holes in, in my entire argument, but that's besides the point. So oh yes, so so, so one of the reckless thoughts I was having were, were, when, um, I think it was this morning, so this morning I had to go to a client before my COVID-19 test. Now mind you, not ideal circumstances, right? Um, so I had to go to the client to collect a a marriage certificate because we're doing her her divorce at the law firm that I'm working at, right? So I need the original. The court wants the original marriage certificate. So I go to her house. Um, obviously, I'm wearing my mask. I sanitize properly. Um, I get there. She, she opens the gate. She puts it on the floor. And then she steps away. And then I go there and I pick it up. Obviously, we're trying to maintain social distancing, right? And (laughs) the uncomfortable truth of of maybe who I am, right, is that this this client is very attractive. She's, she's beautiful, right? And she's actually a celebrity also, right? And then my thought, my first thought is is it illegal for there to be attorney-client relationships right and then my second (laughs) my second thought was okay okay it's definitely not illegal is it unethical right and then when I asked myself is it unethical I was thinking is it unethical or is it just frowned upon I mean there's a very big difference between the two if it's just frowned upon You know it's not that much of a big deal you can kind of do it it's not it's not wrong but society will look at you funny and also and and those are the sorts of thoughts that i have because i am who i am and not every single thought that i have is going to be politically politically correct right and i think sometimes it's important that we say we say the uncomfortable things that are true right sometimes And this overly politically correct world that we find ourselves in, we don't say what's true because we don't because it is not politically correct. Right. And yeah, like I'm saying, as long as I think it's what's very important is, is as long as you you know how to control yourself and you're not infringing on the rights of another person. I think that's where you can kind of say whatever you want to say, no matter how reckless or frowned upon. is by society so let me break that down a little bit when i say two levels number one you don't act upon it and number two you're not infringing on the rights of another person so when i say um you don't act upon it i may have that inappropriate thought about the client right never gonna act on it i'm never gonna um Propose to the client in, in, in an inappropriate way. The relationship will always be professional and it'll just be that little thing that stays at the back of my mind. I'll never tell her. She will never know. Cool. So I think it's important, like for certain things, even if it's inappropriate, you never act on it. And that is because you're not an animal and you understand that you. That you operate within a society that requires certain behavior, right? Society—I don't think society can or should ever control our thoughts or the things we say, but controlling our behavior is very important. So, so in a situation like that, I think it's very important that I understand that. Look, it's probably a bad idea. I'm going don't, don't, don't don't act on that right also on top of that i'm in a relationship so it's bad for the relationship if if i am now trying to have these extra um uh not extramarital but outside these um um unfaithful relations right cool and the second part which i think is very very important is that we don't infringe on the rights of another person so I mean, I always go on about how, like, I'm a huge fan of Dave Chappelle, and Dave Chappelle has the funniest rape jokes and transgender jokes, right? But I think none of those jokes are coming from a place of infringing another person's right. It doesn't say that a transgender person shouldn't have the right to be married. Doesn't even allude to that. Doesn't say that a transgender person um, shouldn't have the right to not have their bodily integrity harm. Doesn't even allude to that, right? He just says that, look, it's kind of funny, right? And I I think, obviously, speaking from a position of privilege, because I'm a cis-het male, is that I think that's okay, because it doesn't infringe on the rights of a transgender person directly. And like I'm saying, you guys are fully open to correct me if I'm wrong, um, and you're you're, you're open to to challenge that view. Um, so I think it's important that what we say also doesn't infringe on the rights of another person and doesn't imply that another person does not deserve full and equal rights that's very very important for example I sometimes get so frustrated with women um, the women in my life may make jokes about women but I'll never in any way make a joke where I where obviously where I feel that I am implying that women shouldn't have the same and equal rights to men in the various um, facets of society, whether it's in the home or in the workplace. So I think think those are two very important distinctions and I think Dave Chappelle, why I think he is the, the greatest comedian of all time is that he's able to make jokes about these uncomfortable things and things that are politically incorrect but in a way which doesn't infringe rights which um and which actually raises questions and makes you question yourself in that in that wokeness and i'm going to speak specifically to the rape joke and the rape joke you can can check it out it's on youtube just type in dave Chappelle man rape so the rape joke is about men getting raped and now i don't want to completely ruin it for you but the punchline is that in new york You know, let me just summarize it. So He says says that in New York, um, there is a serial rapist going around. But what is particularly noteworthy about this serial rapist is that all of his victims are men, right? Then he goes on to say, um, there's nothing funny about that, right? And he says, that's the most gangster shit he's ever heard. There's a man going around serially raping other men. And he says, so far, um, 10 men have come forward to say that they've been raped by this man, which means he must have raped thousands. And the and then basically what it gets to in this joke is that it's the way society is structured is that it's very difficult for men to be honest about sexual assault and come forward about sexual assault so he makes a rape joke but he also points out a serious problem and you could say that problem is a is a direct um result of patriarchy right and and bell hooks and i say this on virtually every platform where i speak about patriarchy that bell hooks does say that patriarchy i mean men are the men and young boys rather young boys are the first victims of patriarchy because patriarchy forces us to kill the, 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 the sensitive and emotional sides, uh, parts of ourselves, right? And that goes to also us not being able to speak, that we have been dehumanized and violated by another person, specifically another man. And it, 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 it bothers me. Actually, let me talk about this one for a little bit. It really bothers me, particularly when you look at the Kevin Hart situation. Mm, the Kevin Hart cheating situation. So maybe the thing about short men, I'm kind of similar in the sense that, look, I love women. It's like any beautiful woman, I just love being in their presence. Before I was in a relationship, I would randomly just buy beautiful women stuff, drinks, flowers, just because I can, not without any expectation of getting something. Just because I think it just makes me happy and it. Like do that sort of shit, you know. So, uh where was I? Where was I? Uh, oh, Kevin Hart. Yes, Kevin Hart. Wasn't Kevin Hart? So Kevin Hart is similar in that we also need to be surrounded by the homeboys because the homeboys will keep you from making the wrong decisions. Had a few drinks. See a nice girl. She likes you. She's attractive, you make a wrong decision. And notice, I'm not saying a mistake, because it's not a mistake, but it's the wrong decision, right? So let's let's look at this Kevin Hart um, situation. It bothers me so much that they call it cheating, because he didn't cheat, he was raped. If the exact same circumstances happened to any woman, society would completely call it a rape. So let me break down the the, the, the facts and the, the sequence of events as I know it, right? Kevin Hart, homeboy, he's in a relationship right with, with, with his with his current wife. Then um, mind you people accuse him of accuse his current um, wife of uh, him and him and the current wife of cheating on the previous wife, but according to him, this is, this is his, his own his own um, his own uh, accordance of events. Um, they they had already separated. They were just waiting for the the divorce to be finalized, which, as a lawyer, makes complete sense to me because divorces can take sometimes it can take three, four, five, six years, right? Just because of all the various processes, delays, and, and and all of that. So, back to the Kevin Hart situation. He's, he's married to his current worker He goes out. He wants to go to Vegas. He wants to turn up, wants to have a good time. Um, His homeboys, so his closest homeboys, let's see, let, there's three of them, ones he's always with, are like, hey, dude, can't make it. Then the fourth one, someone's like it's also his friend you know knows the guy pretty well um trusts him he's like yeah yeah yeah. let's do it mind you this guy this fourth homie is trying to actually isolate him from everyone else because he's trying to blackmail him right so they go to vegas and then there's a and then there's a woman and the woman is fully involved in this whole thing right so what this man and this woman do is they they they, um plow kevin hart with with alcohol fill him with alcohol possibly even gave him drugs other drugs because we don't really know what is in what is in his drink it's possible that he also had like a roofie or something right um long story short this man and this woman this friend and this woman isolate kevin hart and I'm assuming they have whatever sort of sexual relation um, and they make sure that they tape it so that, why? So that they can um, blackmail Kevin Hart and say, yo, Kevin, give us this amount of money or else we're leaking this thing. So Kevin doesn't do that, it goes to the cops, things go into court. Now, the thing that bothers me is number one, Kevin Hart does not remember anything from that night. He doesn't even remember the video. According to his own accounts, he says the first time he saw it, he, the, 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 yeah, he says his only account of that night is watching the video of himself, right? Now, that already ring, rings alarm bells because consent has to be informed. Consent, you can't be drunk or drugged in order to give consent. And then what bothers me from then on is that he goes on a apology tour apologizing to his wife, apologizing to his fans, apologizing to his kids, saying, look, I cheated, da 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 da. And I find that interesting because as a man, if 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 his wife said I was out with a friend of mine, they had, they made sure I drank lots of alcohol, and then they filmed me having sex with someone that they had planted there. We would automatically say, this is rape, this is wrong. But Kevin Hart, even himself, and mind you, Kevin Hart doesn't call this rape. He says, I'm sorry and I have to take accountability for my actions, right? Which I respect, but I also think is wrong because it's not looking at the actual thing that this man was violated. Um, I'm fully open to correction. I'm always open to correction. If you think I'm wrong or you think I misheard him or I misunderstand the sequence of events, let me. So it's victim blaming in the sense that you say, but why did you put yourself in that situation where your closest homeboys are not around you? Even though you're with one friend, it's not enough, you need to have more. That's victim blaming. So I've got a problem with that. And I've got a problem with the fact that no one sees that this this guy was intoxicated and the people that had him in that situation were not intoxicated. So, yeah, they raped. And, yeah. I think we need to talk about things like that in terms of challenging patriarchy and i'm definitely going to have a conversation with um uh, i'm forgetting his name right now but we did speak about that particularly um on twitter about how we're gonna about about the misconceptions about men and I don't say misconceptions, but I think maybe the, the areas in which we, we need to protect young boys, particularly, and also men, because I think equality means that all people should be protected, not no people should be protected, or not only certain people should be protected. I think men also need to be protected from men. That's just what it is. Um yeah, so I think. Maybe just going so so I actually digressed. What I wanted to talk about was being reckless, and I think being reckless with words is important. And I think also that's why I like I like stand up comedy. Um, but I also know the pain and impact of words. I mean, sometimes I get triggered by something someone will say. It's just banter, and it hurts the inner child in me. You know, it 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 it. it it triggers an emotion or a situation that I was in as a child where I had no control and it was just purely pain and it's not nice. And you want to cry actually sometimes, but it's not like it's you crying, it's the inner child in you which is hurt and which is crying and it'll be something stupid. And when I say stupid, I, I'm, I'm using the term lightly, but it could be something stupid like your, some friend took your toy from you, right? Now, as a grown adult, you know, you're not going to get emotional about someone taking something from you. You're going to, like, give my shit back, right? But the inner child in you know, doesn't know that. And, then, and when you go back to that moment, the emotions are still very raw and they are still childlike. So maybe it's it's like a crystallized emotion that can't grow, even though you emotionally have grown past that point. And whenever that emotion is triggered, the same emotion comes as though you were, at that age so i so, so i i know the impact and the the pain that words can cause and i think that's maybe where talking reckless has its downside right and i say it has its downside because i think talking reckless is is, is, is good because for example the more reckless i talk on this podcast the more i open myself up to challenge right and if I open myself up to challenge, my reckless thoughts can be changed. And I think that's very important because I think the only way we can really advance as a society is if we allow people to get to let them say what they that racist thing that they that they're feeling, but just make sure that your argument against that racist thing is strong enough to counter it. And we also have to be able to avoid those sorts of confrontations with people that are just going to gaslight us. We can't allow ourselves to be gaslit. We need to only be having these honest, raw, reckless conversations with people that are willing to listen and people that are willing to learn. That's so, 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 so important. I've seen people learn. I have seen people unlearn and relearn. And I think the only way we can advance as a society is by creating that space for people to to do that and if we become overly politically correct because we're afraid of hurting emotions people won't unlearn people won't relearn and instead what they'll do is they will find more um, covert ways of of enacting that bigotry which number one infringes on the rights of other people and attacks them on a, on, a, on a more fundamental level. So I I would like someone, for example, Dave Chappelle, to make jokes about transgender people so we can be honest that maybe we don't understand it fully, you know, be honest and say, look, it makes me a bit uncomfortable, I don't understand it. As opposed to me keeping quiet and then when I'm in a position of power, I make policies which. Marginalize transgender people but not directly indirectly i know i know the intent but i don't do it overtly so that i'm able to avoid the discomfort and lack of understanding of a trans person and by the way i'm, I'm not saying i particularly have an issue with trans people i'm just trying to give an example of of where i'm getting at and the importance of speaking recklessly. and i wish companies and i wish um businesses, government would allow people to talk reckless a bit more. The right the right people, it's difficult to say which people are the right people. And I think that's that's a conversation we need to have. And we also need to understand what are the limits of talking reckless. Because there have to be limits, you know. Um you can't just joke talk about rape like it's not harming <laughs> the the vast majority of women, if not all women in this country, some um, some indirectly, many directly. You know, so you can't just joke about it um, um, just uh, like basically, so where well, you don't care about what what the effect of your words are. Yeah. So anyway, uh, next episode I want to have a guest definitely. Um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, yeah, still quarantine. Hopefully, get good news in terms of the the the, the COVID nineteen results. And, yeah, I think, please, guys, remain reckless, say what you want to say, get it off your chest, but also be willing to be called out and be willing to change that reckless view. It is the anthem. 365, not a single miss, only hits. Thank you very much for joining me.